Christ is exalted over all. I think about the song saying, we're going to sing your praise forever and ever. And I'm sitting here listening to the song thinking, why do we have so much excitement now when, when our lives are such a mess, when we seem to always mess up, when we feel so much judgment for the world, when we look out and we see the opinions of who God is and who Jesus is? constantly bringing our thoughts away from the truth that he is good. I want you to remember Jesus showed up and he showed us what God is really like. When the leper was there and no one on the planet earth, not even the religious leaders of those who would, who could help would go anywhere near those people who would say Jesus is the one that would approach them. When people were constantly sick, stuck in sin, Jesus was the one that would come up to them and greet them, show them mercy show them grace and so we sit here this morning we stand together and we sing praises to him because he has already revealed no matter what is true about me as a fleshly fallen person he loves me and his mercy and his grace has reached me and if you're here this morning and you're tired you're tired tired of what's going on in your heart and your mind tired of the pain in the world tired of feeling judged by everyone else around you there is a God who made you and who loves you and is not like anyone else his ways are higher his name is higher and he is stronger and he is here for you and he loves you deeply he proved that by giving his only son for you so you come here this morning and you rest in the promise that no matter what you did this week no matter what you thought no matter what you're struggling with God is here and he's like child I know I know why I gave my son for you. I love you. You rest. You come to me. Don't worry about everything else you got to fix in your life. I'm here. I'm here. This is why we're here. This is why we sing. This is why we're excited because God is alive and he loves us. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for Jesus. His name is higher and he is stronger than anything within us and anything in the world. Forgive us to where we fall short of the affection and the praise and the love that you deserve. But God, we see what you've showered upon us. Help us to keep our eyes focused on the love that we see displayed on the cross. Salvation is screaming to the world and everyone can be saved. Anyone can come in. You offer a free gift to us all, so God, let us rest in that. I thank you for your word. I pray you'd open our hearts and minds to be able to receive it this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. As always, it's good good to see brothers and sisters. It's good to hear your voices lifted up, singing to God. It's something special to be able to be together and hear, hear the words from each other. We've been in the book of Genesis and we've been asking the question, how did we get here? And one thing that we have been revealing over time is that we get here or got here because God created everything, but there is another meaning behind that question. There's, there's a place, a spiritual place that we are here, something wrong, something messed up, something imperfect, and we're asking the question about how did we get here? That's kind of culminating in the next few chapters. Today, we're going to finish up the last day, the seventh day, and I am very, very excited to talk about the seventh day. So we're going to be in Genesis chapter 2. Genesis 2, not 1, but we're starting in chapter 2, the first three verses. So let's turn there real quick and read it together. The words will be on the screen as well. Genesis 2, starting in verse 1. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished. 
and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done. I've titled today, Day 7, a day unlike the others. So let's answer this question real quick. Just in these first few uh, verses we see, why is the seventh day so different? Why is it unlike the other, others? Well, let's, let's just analyze it real quick. First, we see that God's work is finished. There's nothing more to be done. The sixth day was concluded and his creative work in making the world and making man, creating the space and then filling the space through the first six days, all of that is done on the evening and the morning of the sixth day. And now the seventh day comes and it's different because there is no work. Notice that it doesn't say, then God said. All the other days God is speaking. Very interesting when God's word comes out and he speaks, whatever he's speaking to obeys which is very interesting that when God's word speaks to us, why it's so against the creative order that the power of God, the word of God comes out and we do not respond to it. God's word is what creates and changes. But you come to the seventh day, you don't see God speaking. His work is finished. But, but even more interesting than that is this, this reality that he's finished his work, but then he rests. God is resting on the seventh day. It says, and on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. Now, if you look through these three verses, you know what you're going to see? You're going to see a repetition that's almost like, wow, he's like saying the same thing. He's like, and on the seventh day, God rested from all the work that he had done because on the seventh day, he rested from all the work that he had done because he had rested and was done with his work. And so he rested. There's this repetition here, which for the Jewish person reading, this is like, oh, pay attention. This is important. Repetition, repeating. Very, very important. But God rests. And that's the thing we're going to talk about here today. One of the things I want to show you is that the word rest does not mean what we think it means. When we see the word rest, we immediately think of like, oh, I am so tired. I need rest. That's not what this word means. You see, God is perfect. His power is limitless. God does not get tired. So when he rests, it's not because he's tired. When God rests here, this is a word that speaks to him being done with his work. And so he's ceasing from his work. But this word also carries with it God sitting down or taking his throne. It's the idea that he is coming into the thing that he worked on, residing among it, living in it, setting up his place of residency, and now he's going to enjoy his work. God resting is not because he's tired. It's because he's done something that is good and now he's going to choose to reside in it, rest among his creation and enjoy his creation. So what do we see in the garden? We see God, we see Adam and Eve walking with God. We see God there, but we see that there is still this process of God being involved. Another simplistic understanding of God resting is that he worked and now he's done. Some people would probably think, oh, God's not involved with the world. He's some distant place out in heaven and he's looking down and he's wound up the clock of earth and now here we are doing our thing and he's uninvolved. No, 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 no. Rest 
He rested from his creative work. Everything that he did on the sixth day was complete. He was done with that work. Now he's entering creation, residing and resting within his creation, but he's continually involved and working with his creation. That's why Jesus, when Jesus came and he said, I'm Lord of the Sabbath. And then he said this, I and my father have been working until now. So this idea of resting is coming in and residing among and continually being involved. Kids, I want to show you a picture. Who here likes Legos? Raise your hand. Adults can raise their hands too. Who here plays Minecraft? Okay. So you get this idea of Legos where you're, you're building something, you're building, you're putting together, you're working on it, working on it. There's this process of working and building. But maybe when you get done, maybe making something this big, how do you think maybe this guy feels when he's created something with Legos that's that big? There's going to be a sense of like, yeah, man, this is awesome. And then, you, oh, you're going to protect it. You ever, anybody seen the videos where someone creates something? They've stayed up for like four, out, four days straight trying to put something together that's so fragile. And then like the reporter comes in and is like, hey, 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 and walks around and like knocks it all over right there in front of the camera. And like four days of work is just destroyed. No, think about it, kids. Think about it. All of us putting the work into something that you treasure, that you love, that is good. What are you going to do when you're done with it? You're going to enjoy it. So we see on the seventh day, God rests, which means he chooses to come and live amongst his creation, but also to enjoy it and be involved with it. The third thing we see on the seventh day is that God blesses it and he makes it holy. Verse three says, so God blessed the seventh day and he made it holy because on it, God rested from all the work that he had done. Now, here's what I need. I need seven volunteers, seven kids. Raise your hand if you want to come on stage. If you don't raise your hand, I will pick you. All right, brother and, brother and sister, you two, come up here on stage. You two up on the stage. Emery, Leland, you guys come up on stage. How many we got so far? We got six. I need one more. One, two, three, four. Come on up. Come on up. One more. Where? Now we need to stand in a line. The only one I'm worried about is my, my little daughter here, but I think she can do it. Let's all stand in a line and face everybody. Right? Come right here, right next to each other. Let's put our foot right here on this line right here. Everybody put your foot right here and stay right there. All right, I'm going to count. Let's make sure we have seven here. Ready? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Now, guys, you guys are all representing the days of creation. You see this? We have six days. But I want to show you something. God does something special. Hey, day one, how are you? Day two, good to see you. Day, day three, day four, man, you guys, God starts making everything and putting everything that he made in over here. This is great. Day five, awesome. Day six, great. God makes us, but then he rests. But then God does something with day seven. Come here, Emery. Come right over here. Come right here. He does something. He separates this day from the others. God makes the seventh day super special. When it says he makes it holy, he takes the seventh day apart from the six and he brings it over and he makes it separate and he blesses it 
And it's super important and super special. That's why you'll see on your handout, kids, you have the little circles. That seventh day, you need to, you need to color that bright and special and put circles and lines and rays around it because the seventh day is great. You guys are good. God said, you guys are great. This is good. But the seventh day, come here, let me hold you. This day is special. And this one's special to me because my little girl. Emery, can you say hey? Hey. Awesome. Thank you, guys. You can go sit down. Let's give him a round of applause. You want to go sit down? God made the day holy. There's an, I found at first, I was like, why did the people who divided the chapters up in the Bible, why did they put the seventh day in chapter two? It should be in chapter one. At first, when I was studying this, I'm like, man, this is another example where the chapter divisions were messed up. But then as I started studying, I'm like, you know what? I liked the seventh days in chapter two. I like that all of one has all the six days together, but then it separates the seventh from them because that's what it means to make something holy. It's being separated, sanctified, and he blesses it. The seventh day is special. Why is it special? It says because he rested from all the work that he had done in creation. Now, there's a, le- there's a final thing I want us to notice about the seventh day. The seventh day has no evening or morning. What do you think that means? What do you think that means? Say it. You can say it. Goes on forever. There's no end of it. You see, the first six days had passed. Where do you think Adam and Eve, what day do you think they were living on then? Adam and Eve in the garden lived on day seven. The seventh day was day that all the work had been completed and God was in their midst. He was in their presence and he had templed and tabernacled among them and with them. And they were with God on his day of rest that was holy and special. And they were living in it and meant to live forever in it in paradise and wonder with no hardship, no tears, no crying, no struggle. But we know the story. What happens? Adam and Eve here soon get cast out of the rest of God and they forfeit the seventh day. So here's a question I want to ask. What does this mean for you and me? But just like last time we were up here talking about some of the days, it is too soon already in just reading this and observing to jump to this question and figure out what this means for you and me. The seventh day is too deep for that. So we got to first, we got to go back and we got to figure out what this meant. We got to figure out what the seventh day when the Israelites would read the Genesis account and they would come to the seventh day, what would be going through their mind? So I want to read you a verse. Let's see what Moses says. It's on the screen. And the Lord said to Moses, You are to speak to the people of Israel and say, above all, you should keep my Sabbaths. For this is a sign between me and you throughout your generations that you may know that I, the Lord, sanctify you. Hey, kids, remember when I had you stand up here and Emery was sanctified? She was separated. God is giving the Sabbath, the seventh day, seventh year, the 49th year, as a sign, constant reminder that they belong to him and they're different. They're separated. He's blessed them and made them holy. The Sabbath always reminded them that you shall keep the Sabbath because it is holy for you. Everyone who profanes it shall be put to death. This was very serious. Whoever does any work on it, that soul shall be cut off from among his people. Six days shall work be done, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of solemn rest, holy 
to the Lord. God in creation set up the work week for the people. Work six, day, six days, rest one. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath shall be put to death. Therefore, the people of Israel shall keep the Sabbath, observing the Sabbath throughout their generations as a covenant forever. Now listen to this. He says this, it is a sign forever between me and you and the people of Israel that in six days, the Lord made heaven and earth. And on the seventh day, he rested and was refreshed. You see, when the Jews would have read the creation account and they would see God resting on the seventh, they would immediately remember, okay, this is what, this is what we do. We work for six and we rest on the seventh. We work for six and we rest on the seventh. They would remember this. Now, I want to show you this, this next screen. There's seven things, or, or there, there's a constant reminder of seven for the Jewish people. They were told to every Saturday rest, Sabbath, just like God did on creation. But every seventh year, they were to rest as well and give the land rest. That means for a whole year, a whole year, no working in the fields. The whole year would be a day devoted to resting like God did, which means ceasing from the work that they were doing, the work that they needed to do, and then to spend that whole year enjoying what they worked for, enjoying the creation of God, but also this, worshiping God and remembering everything that they have comes from him. But then you have this 49th year, which is what, kids? What is seven times seven? Does anyone know? I just, yep, you nailed it. Seven times seven is 49. This is the year of Jubilee that as they entered the 50th year, man, this was a year of celebration. God commands that if you're, if you're a slave, you're set free. If you've, been, if you've taken property, you give it back. And this is a day and a year that you celebrate, a constant celebration. It was something that God wanted the people to, to celebrate and worship and to give and to receive and be let loose and experience liberty. All of this God is doing, and this is all pointing back to God resting on the seventh day. The seventh day is pointing to all of that. These things that, God, that the people did every week and every seventh year and every 49th year was a constant reminder of some things. It was a constant reminder through some things. And when they would see this, they would remember that they had forfeited the seventh day, that the rest of God that is great and wonder and something to be celebrated had been forfeited, had been lost. Paradise had been lost. But it also reminded them this, that God had promised a future rest that he was bringing for his people. So let's do this. Let's walk through some history together. We're going to see here. Walk through some history really, really quick. We're kicked out of the garden of God. We're going to find that out. We're kicked out of the rest of God. The Jewish people realize that when they look back at Adam and Eve. You and I feel that because we're now in a cursed world and we know something's broken, something's lost, something needs to be made right. That's what we're experiencing right now on planet Earth because the seventh day had been lost. Rest had been lost. Then we see when we come later in the book of Genesis that God makes a promise to Abraham. God promises to Abraham that he would bring his people Sabbath. He would bring them a rest, that his descendants would experience rest again. And then we come to Moses in the book of Exodus. 
And in Deuteronomy chapter 12, which would you turn with me? I want us to read this together. In Deuteronomy chapter 12, we see Moses reminds the people of the promise that God had made to Abraham. Deuteronomy chapter 12, in verse 8, Moses says this, you shall not do according to all that we are doing here today. So Moses is writing to a future or a younger generation, basically saying, don't be like your parents. It's kind of a backwards. We normally look at the younger generation and think they're the problem. We look in the Old Testament, we see it was the older generation that had forgotten God. I'm not making any implications. I'm just saying we can't be so simplistic in our judgments. But he's saying to the younger generation, don't be like us. Don't be like us. You are to do according to all, you are not to do all that we are according to do here today. Everyone doing whatever is right in his own eyes. That was the issue. For you have not as yet come to the rest and to the inheritance that the Lord your God is giving you. You see that reminder? You see that promise? But when you go over the Jordan and live in the land that your God is giving you to inherit, and when he gives you rest from all of your enemies around so that you live in safety, then to place that the Lord your God will choose to make his name dwell there, there you shall bring all that I command you, your burnt offerings and your sacrifices, your tithes and contributions that you present, and all your finest vow offerings that you vow to the Lord, and you shall rejoice before the Lord your God, you and your sons and your daughters, your male servants, your female servants, and the Levite that is within your towns, since he has no portion or inheritance with you. Exodus, the people are brought out of slavery in Egypt. Out of slavery, God delivers them. God brings them into the wilderness to test them. And the people did not trust and believe God. They constantly murmured and bickered against them. And so a generation of people died off in the wilderness and the next generation that was coming up, they saw all of these things happen and happening and they turned their eyes to God and we see in Joshua that they got to enter the rest. Joshua also reminds them of that promise. Now turn over to Joshua chapter one with me. Joshua chapter one, let's look at this. See, I'm turning with you. I don't have a verse here, so I can just, so you, get, you guys get to turn with me. Joshua chapter 1, let's look at verse 13, and then we're going to jump over to verse 44 of 21. Joshua 1, 13, this is what Joshua says. Uh, Remember the word that Moses, a servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, the Lord your God is providing you a place of rest and will give you this land. See the reminder? Moses dies. Joshua leads the people towards the promised land that they had been looking for for 40 years after wandering in the wilderness. They're now there and Joshua, their leader, is gonna take them into the promised land and he reminds them at the beginning of the chapter, reminds them of the promise that God had made to them for rest. Go to verse 21. I mean, chapter 21 of Joshua. Chapter 21 and then go down to verse 44. Remember the promise? Promise of rest, seventh day. Observing the Sabbaths, God constantly reminding them of a promise of rest. Verse 44 says this. Thus the Lord gave to Israel all the land that he swore to give their fathers, and they took possession of it, and they settled there. And the Lord gave them rest 
on every side, just as he had sworn to their fathers. Not one of all their enemies had withstood them, for the Lord had given all their enemies into their hands. Not one word of all the good promises that the Lord had made to the house of Israel had failed. All came to pass. Now look at this. Kids, parents, do you know what the name Joshua is the same name for? The same name in Joshua is the same name for Jesus, Yeshua. That was Jesus' name. Now look, look here, everybody. We all love a good story. We appreciate a good producer and a director, someone who can write an awesome story in script. God is the ultimate storyteller. God is painting this beautiful picture and trying to tell this beautiful picture all from the beginning of creation. Rest had been lost. And then the promise of rest would come. And God gives them a day each week, a day that would remind them to set it aside for its holy. Remember what I did. That's what you did. But also remember what you lost. And remember how good it is to be in the presence of me. God gave them the temple The temple, which is where God's presence rested. But in the temple, there was a veil that was a reminder. You had been separated from me. I'm resting in the temple, but you cannot approach me because of sin. There's a book that we read to our kids. Maybe some of you have it about the garden, the curtain, and the cross. Kids, if you know it, because of your sin, you can't come in. Because of your sin, it repeats, you can't come in. And then Jesus shows up and divides that veil that tears in two in the presence of God had been experienced again. But in the temple, it was filled with garden imagery, filled with trees, filled with animals. It was a reminder of what had been lost in the garden and that now God's presence, his rest had been forfeited. A constant reminder, but also a constant reminder of what was to come, a promise of rest. Now, listen, the people experienced rest through Joshua, who represents Jesus. All of this story it's supposed to be an example as 1 Corinthians 10 and Hebrews tells us. All of these things were written as an example so you could see beautifully the ultimate picture that God is doing. Just like in Israel, we are slaves and bondage to sin and God sets us free. How does he do it? We did it through Moses in the Old Testament, but that was just a shadow. It wasn't the real thing. God was just trying to paint a picture through history. So here's what we can conclude what this meant for the people. What did this mean back then for them? I've kind of culminated it here. All that we have is from God. He rested from his work and wants us to as well, to worship him and enjoy his creation, but also to remember we forfeited his rest, but also to remember the promise of a future rest. It's on the horizon. Now, where are we at in history? We're a little bit later and in the future of history we actually have Jesus now. We have fulfillment. We have a different picture. But when we look back at these things, we can see a reminder. So now, let's uh, transition. Kids, I want you to see this picture that I have on the screen here. Does everybody know what this is, kids? What is that? Christmas. And immediately, I saw Elena over here. She starts dancing like, Christmas, Christmas. Why is Christmas so exciting? All year, I remember what it's like to be a kid. I'm st- I still get giddy that way. I start listening to Mariah Carey in July for a reason. Because <laughs> I'm excited. Presents. Get days off of work. People give you stuff, right? It's exciting. There's gifts. There's an anticipation. Christmas, I want you to think of Christmas when you think of the seventh day of God resting. Because with Christmas, there's this anticipation. Anticipation. 
And there's this excitement. And when the day comes, it is wonderful. Christmas, we're getting gifts. And on the Sabbath day, it would have been time to remember the good things that God had given us and turn our eyes in thanksgiving to him. Kids, you got a picture of a present there on your paper. You color that, but that also represents, and I want you to think about that, everything you have in life, everything that comes to you, whether it's as simple as a little toy or a playground or a swing or your parents, all of us, everything that we have from the smallest and most insignificant thing to the most valuable things in life come from God. And God's seventh day, his rest is a time to rest, to stop, stop working, stop putting yourself in the position where the work of your own hands will lead you to trust in yourself and become arrogant and think you can do everything on your own and to remember you have nothing apart from God. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights with who there is no shadow due to change. Amen? God is good and he gives all the good gifts. Now, let's ask the question now, what does this mean for me? What does this mean for us? There's some things I want us to look at, so we need to turn to Matthew Or you can see it on the screen here. We come to the New Testament and we find Jesus saying this. Come to me all who labor and are heavy laden. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and holy in heart. And you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. There had been this promise of this Savior, a promise of something yet to come. The, the greatest, the thing that the Old Testament had been waiting for, the Jews had been waiting for, a Messiah, a Savior. And Jesus shows up and he begins to say things like this. He begins to start healing people on the Sabbath. That was on purpose. Why do you think Jesus did that? But what did the religious leaders turn God's Sabbath into? They had turned it into a day where people were a slave to it. And Jesus said, is Sabbath for man or man for Sabbath? Is the Sabbath given to man as a day that you are to serve and, and it be a master over you or did I give it for you? Right, we treat Sunday like that, don't we? I got to go to Sunday. I got to take time to worship God. I got I to gotta take time to rest and remember him. This is what happened in the book of Amos when Amos wrote. He said, he showed that the people in their heart were constantly waiting for the Sabbath to be done. Oh, when is this day over so we can get back to selling and profiting and deceiving and doing everything that we want in our own power? When is God's day of rest going to be over so we can get back to our work? And Jesus shows up to remind the people the Sabbath was never what these religious people had made it. It was for you, right? It was because you taking time to reflect on me and live in me and remember me and enjoy me and enjoy what I've given you. Somehow that's a bad thing. No, this was supposed to always be an anticipation, a reminder of something you look forward to, something you remember The seventh day also reminds us of the warning in Hebrews 3 and 4. I think it's very important that we all turn there and read chapters 3 and 4 of Hebrews. New Testament, towards the end, book of Hebrews chapter 3. Go there with me if you can. I do not have this one on the screen. Hebrews chapter 3, right before James. Hebrews chapter 3. I'm going to read this. This is my next story time because this is 
This is the culmination of the sermon. This is what matters. This is what we must pay attention to when it comes to the seventh day of rest. This is what we need to turn our ears to and pay attention to in the New Testament. This is for us. So knowing everything that you've learned about what the Sabbath means for the people of Israel, taking all of that, let's listen to the words of Hebrews chapter 3, starting in verse 7. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness. When your fathers put me to the test, they saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was provoked with that generation and said, they always go astray in their heart. They have not known my ways. Also, I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Take care, brothers, lest there be any of you with an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ. If indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end, As it says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. Verse 16, for who were those who heard and yet rebelled? Was it not all those who left Egypt led by Moses? And with whom was he provoked for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest? But to those who were disobedient, So we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief. Verse chapter four, verse one. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news came to us just as to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. For we have believed, entered that rest, as he said, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Although his works were finished from the foundation of the world, for he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way. God rested on the seventh day from all of his works. And again, in the passage, he said, they shall not enter my rest. Verse six, since therefore it remains for some to enter it, And those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of belief. Again, he appoints a certain day. Today, saying through David, so long afterward in the words already quoted, today if you hear his voice, do not harden his heart. You see the repetition? The repetition is that there is a message being communicated through the rest. A message that we need to hear right now, today. If you hear this, don't close your ears and your hearts to what you're hearing. Your life is on the line Look what he says in verse eight, thinking back to Joshua, thinking about the rest, the promised rest that God gave them in the land. Look what he says. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. What does that mean? That means the people, yes, they received a temporary rest, but it wasn't the ultimate rest that God had planned for their people. It wasn't the full restoration of the seventh day. That was to be a picture and to remind you of what was to come. Something better's coming. So God gave rest to those people, but that was a picture of something better. So we would see it and know there's something even better than what they received. 
Let us therefore, he says this, so then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Everyone look right here. I'm almost done reading, but I want you not to miss this. Do you see what he's saying? Enter the rest of God. Whoever has entered the true rest has already rested from his works just as God did. God finished his work in seven days and rested on the seventh. And now in the New Testament, he's saying, who's ever entered right now the rest of God has ceased from his works. Ooh, ooh. Look at verse 11. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. And then he says, very famous portion of scripture for the word of God is living and active sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of the soul and of the spirits and of the joints and of marrow and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart and no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom must give an account. Beautiful picture that God is painting through these Sabbaths, through this rest that was forfeited and lost. God resting from his work is an ultimate picture that when you come to Christ, you are laying aside the heavy burden and the heavy laden load of trying to be good and create something good on your own. We cannot do what God did in six days. We cannot in our own strength work hard enough to create something good. We cannot work. The righteous requirement of the law requires you to work and to live righteously to enter the rest of God. They had to observe all these hundreds of commandments and keep them. And you know what they never did was keep them. Why? Because that was supposed to be a picture and a reminder and lead us and prepare us to accept Christ. Man, I can't do this. God, your standard, what you left for me to enter your rest and what I must do, I can't do it. I can't. I try every single day and my experience is that no matter what I do, I fall short of your glory. And according to what you've told me, according to entering your rest, I'll never be able to if you leave it up to me. But thank God he didn't leave it up to us. He gave us this beautiful picture and he sends his son Jesus who becomes the perfect one who works in the way that we couldn't, who fulfills the law in the way that we couldn't and he finished the work on the cross when he was dying and he gave up his last breath and he says, it is finished. And he rose from the dead on the third day and he did the work you and I could not. And the the veil in the temple tore in two which means the presence of God has been fully restored. The rest that we lost in the garden has been obtained through Jesus Christ and all those who come to Christ lay their works aside. They rest from their works and they come and they take his easy yoke upon him, his light burden upon them and they join themselves with Jesus and we come together on Sunday, the Lord's day, because now we have entered a rest. We now have the fulfillment, the substance of the Sabbath And we get to rejoice and celebrate those still in these bodies and weak. It has been finished and the rest has come. And now there remains an ultimate future culminating rest for all of those who place their faith in Jesus Christ. And it will be way better than it was in Genesis chapter one. As good as that was, it's going to be far better. So that's why I say to all of us, maybe there's someone here, you know, in your heart, you've been hardening your ears and your heart to the gospel. Something has creeped into your heart causing you to question the goodness of God. Question this. 
existence that you have. Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts as they did back then. You want to enter his rest and it's only found in Jesus Christ. He worked for us. So let's look at this together. The first thing we see is this. The seventh day for us means God has provided a finished work that we can rest from. Jesus worked on our behalf. Jesus died and finished it on our behalf. We no longer need the sign of the Sabbath because we have the real Sabbath in Jesus. Do you know him? Do you have the promise of that rest? Or are you still trying to work for it and strive for it yourself? Picture Jesus here. Come to me. Just come. Look, I know. I, I know you're, I know tax collector. I know, I know everything that you've done. Everything. Woman at the well, I know. You've had like five husbands. I know everyone on the planet judges you. I don't. Come to me. Because I'm taking the wrath that's supposed to come to you. I'm going to take it for you so that you can have my righteousness and enter the rest that you lost. Finally, come to Jesus. Brother and sister, if you're falling away from Jesus, be prompted by the warnings and don't give in to the deceitfulness of sin that may be working in your heart right now and come to Jesus. He will give you rest for your weary souls. Let's pray. Our good God and Father, Jesus. God, help us to understand these things. Be with every person from the youngest kid to the oldest person here that you would help us to hear the great things we need to, that we would rejoice. No longer sleep at night worrying about what we must do. It's been done through Jesus. And so give us a heart through the spirit that bubbles over with motivation and love and gratitude. Help us to rest constantly. In Jesus Christ, thank you that you did what we could not do. You did it for us. And God, be with anyone here that's still struggling and may be on the precipice of entering or falling away from that rest that you would save them. Pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. That was awesome. Let's stand up together. We're about to leave this place. It's so important to take time to just let those words that you've now heard and cherished and ask the Lord to apply them in your life. And what I love about this song is that verse it says, tune my heart to sing your grace. We need that, don't we? We need the Lord to tune us up, to tune our hearts, to make us sensitive to these things, to help us to enter into that rest that we so desperately need. So let's sing this morning before we go. Celebrate this redeeming love.
to be Let thy goodness Like a feather Bind my wandering heart to thee Prone to wander giving us and offering us and you're constantly overwhelmed, anxious perhaps just exhausted and I think of what Jesus offers, I think of the challenge that Jesus gives, he says what profit does a man gain if he gets the whole world, he actually achieves that the very thing he loses is his own soul there's something greater that God is calling us to and I think of Jesus when he says as Jasper mentioned, it is finished there's something of achieving things that draws our heart to it prone to wander to those things I think of the challenge of seeing again Jesus above all else I adore your name above all else, tune my heart Lord please this is where I'm looking tune my heart to sing your praise 
And then every single day we would do this, that we would recognize every day we wake up, we are entering into a rest that is coming fully when Christ returns. And so that we would look forward, even now that our life isn't forfeit from these things, we're challenged in these things, yet we're pressing on to know Jesus Christ. And God reminds us in the future that there's a day coming that will never end. I think of Revelation 21 where he says, the night will be no more. Evening and morning is gone again. Evening, no more. It's a constant seventh day rest forever. And so God reminds us through the Apostle Paul, since this is true, since you and I are to be raised from the dead and united to Christ, we are to be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Why? Because our labor, the things that we're doing now, it's not in vain. This is vain. Meaningless, meaningless, says the preacher. This is worth it all. Church, every time we gather, it's a reminder of the things that we've been given in Christ. I hope you enjoy this. If you don't know this, I invite you, come, talk to us. We would love to introduce you to the truths and maybe explain a little more the very things that you heard today. Church, we know that you will have a great week this week. Be reminded always that you are loved and the rest is there. Enjoy it. We'll see you next week.